Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Indeed, listening to Games on Film, <laughs> the podcast that celebrates video game movies. I almost went into a spooky voice there, and I almost went, celebrates video game movies, which would be a lot more in keeping with the tone of the game, which this film is based on. But what is that game, Rory? That game and the film is Werewolves Within. I was so surprised when I did some research on this video game, because I... Here's the thing. This trailer landed and I had no idea it was coming. I think it appears on like a horror website that I follow. And I was just another werewolf movie. So I started watching the trailer and then the logo for Ubisoft came up. And I was like, oh, is this a video game movie? And by the time the trailer ended, it was really, it really made me chuckle. I was like, I couldn't wait to sort of tell you about it. Be like, there's a film coming in space on a video game and it looks like it might be good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely like creeped up on us unexpectedly. I think we've always, you know, anticipated in the great video game movie calendar, uh, which uh, has been oft delayed, at least in the past year or so. And, you know, earmarked kind of big movies and big TV shows coming out adapted from video games. But the fact that this film bit of a sort of like a underdog movie and the fact that the game itself isn't i suppose widely known unless you are very uh up to date on your kind of vr video games but as someone who doesn't own a vr headset or system no completely passed me by so it's uh, a pleasant surprise to have a fresh new video game movie to talk about um Mm. that we hadn't even thought about um uh, i had room in my schedule i could watch i could, I could <laughs> watch it i could play it but yeah i um i guess i don't have my finger on the pulse when it comes to vr on the playstation because i just get a sense that it's really awkward to find enough people to play with and and the games are quite samey like I looked at the the guy who did this. I mean, I we, I watched a, like a launch trailer of this, and the guy who spoke about it the most was a chap called Justin Achille, I think, and I think he's actually quite well known for like writing like werewolf stories and vampire stories, and I think he is part of something called World of Darkness, which is a transmedia entertainment brand. Okay, but um, long story short, um. I also noticed in his amongst his like horror credits, he also did writing for not only werewolves within the game, but also Star Trek Bridge, which seems to be another game where you're sat in a chair and and coordinating with other people in a VR space. But like I said, I I get a sense that there's this sort of maybe tight knit community of people who have the kit, and what what explodes onto that scene doesn't have much of a ripple effect. 
I guess the 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 thing is, is that sometimes VR games can come across as a bit gimmicky. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, well, we can only do this in VR, or at least this is enhanced when it's done in VR. Ergo, much like 3D cinema or IMAX movies or that kind of thing. It's just like we need to maximize the potential of the technology uh, without necessarily coming up with something of of great substance in the process. Mm. I think the first games which pop to mind are things like Batman, the VR game, which is again, it says where the cowl, and you just you're just sitting in Batman's chair, <laughs> <laughs> Batman's famous chair. I know, but they're like kind of tech demos. I think I recall, isn't there a new Half Life game which yes, is Half-Life Alex. making waves? Um, and I think that is something where normal gamers, for want of a better expression, are like, oh, that looks interesting. It looks like an actual game. But I think this Werewolves Within game, so you mentioned, I think, uh, it was Red Storm Entertainment and then published by Ubisoft. And, and Red Storm Entertainment actually primarily, up until Werewolves Within, were doing Tom Clancy games. In fact, they uh, developed the original Rainbow Sits uh, game, which oh. I remember enjoying and screaming fond, my pants off playing fond on N64. memories. <laughs> planning, planning like a two-player game where you sat on your beanbags and plan like you're going through blueprints, planning your precise route, and then squealing like little girls <laughs> as you're shot by tangos in a very low-resolution representation of the Houses of Parliament. Yeah, good times, good times. Good times. But yeah, so this was their it first... Was, it was terrorist-rific. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. It was the 90s. Terrorists were fine oh, yeah. then. But uh, yeah, so Werewolves Within was the first um, VR game they actually developed, as well as, as you mentioned, Star Trek Bridge Crew. But the game itself seems very heavily, I say, draws upon the kind of party game werewolf which is in itself a variation of mafia which is kind of a bit like wink murder um which is it's waiting for wink murder vr (laughs) but it's it's one of those games so that the the concept of the game and uh you know the video game in of itself is that you're in basic terms divided up the players amongst uh werewolves and villagers and werewolves will be able to know who the werewolves are. Villagers don't know which one of the other players is a werewolf or a villager. But the game kind of takes place over various cycles or, or night and day. And the werewolves pick a victim and then someone dies. And then the next day, the villagers have to you know, point the finger amongst them as to who is the werewolf. And they could get it right. They could get it wrong. The idea is the werewolves have to pretend that they are a villager or i think one of the other assigned roles which have special kind of skills in the in the game um but it's it's all this kind of like suspicion and misleading and deceit and i think most recently and i think most popularized in the past year or so with a game like among us which has the sort of same sort of concept where you know you're all these members of a spaceship crew you're having to do various tasks on the spaceship but one person is going around murdering the other members and then you have to kind of decide in these uh in these meetings who should be ejected from the spaceship and sometimes you get it wrong and uh, eject innocence 
I've downloaded Among Us from my Switch and I've been too terrified to play it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's here's the problem I'm having with these sort of VR cooperative games, or maybe just cooperative games in general when you're with a group of strangers. I just feel like I'll spend half my time either being a bad team member or there'll be people just having a just fucking around and not really playing the game properly or something and and i don't know i was watching a review of the game and the review was more like explaining the game rules and all the various characters you can play there's a character who's a turncoat there's a there's the um I can't remember the other ones. There's different types I think of villages. There's a seer, uh, there's a, there's seer. a priest, or something. Maybe there just seemed to be rules as long as your arm, and it seemed boring as balls. And <laughs> I had to remind myself that it was just as many rules as like a traditional tabletop video game, and those are quite popular. So, um, but you can play these games with friends as well. So, like you know. With Among mm. Us, actually, the only times I've really played it has been with friends online. That's fun because then you can try and sort of like deduce from the tone that people are saying the things that they are saying. Like, I, what, what is a werewolf? <laughs> I, you know. I've just got memories of playing Portal 2. Um, the cooperative mode with a stranger. I think I only, only ever played it once with a stranger and the stranger just kept pointing at something. I didn't know quite what he's pointing at. And then he, he rage quitted because I was being so useless. And I was just like, okay, the, the whole world hates me then. <laughs> oh, Harry, you're not going to get cyber bullied playing werewolves with it in, I promise. No. I mean, the main thing which surprised me though, especially as I watched this film first and only did a cursory glance of the game um didn't realize that the game was set in the distant past it's set as as i as my voiceover alluded to or so or as my introduction alluded to it is got a ha 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 like vampire werewolves sort of tone and the film is set in 2020 or i guess was this, this was pre-pandemic filming so it's filmed in 2019 I think it was filmed in 2020. All right. Well, it's a, it was a choice. Like, as probably as big a difference as there is between Super Mario Brothers the game and Super Mario Brothers the film. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think to an extent, jettisoning the medieval fantasy setting and, and updating it to a, a contemporary one. I imagine there's a lot of reasons for that. And... I imagine partially there's like budgetary issues. Um, but also I think it's, it's kind of the case where like the story, the film wants to tell, it uses the game very much as a jumping off point and not the be all and end all because, you know, the game itself as it's very sort of social dynamic interaction game, it's not massively story led from my understanding. So Really, you're just trying to play in with ideas and and concepts. Welcome to Galluston. You've arrived just in time for a town meeting. You see, Galluston is infested by werewolves, and the only way to solve this crisis is by eliminating the most suspicious individuals. 
I was reading interviews with the uh, director, Josh Rubin, and he was saying that Ubisoft was very hands-off in terms of the production. They just had this IP that they wanted to do something with. Uh, the writer, Mishnah Wolf. No relation. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> um, uh, had sort of produced um, this script. And the director, Josh Rubin, whose background is in College Humor originals, uh, sort of comedy oh, okay. shorts. He's turned more recently to feature film directing. And he directed, wrote and co-starred in the film Scare Me, um, which is available on Shudder, which I've heard good things about. Actually, in that film, it's sort of set in a snowy cabin and he is a struggling writer trying to come up with a werewolf story. So there's probably quite a lot of uh, sort of shared DNA with that. But I've heard good things about that uh, film as well. Rory? Yes? What's your opinion on werewolves? Are you for or against werewolves? Am I for or against werewolves? I just I'm looking through the films we've covered, and this is our first werewolf movie. Um, we've done loads Are there of vampires. Any and... In Castlevania, well, I think in Castlevania. That's the thing. Castlevania, just Castlevania. I'm sure the game does, but I'm I'm sure there were probably some wolf monsters, but not wolf. necessarily werewolves. I mean, they're night beasts, okay. and this led me down a bit of a, a werewolf hole. <laughs> um. <laughs> Werewolves thinking, don't live in holes. They don't live Werewolf in holes. They live in burrows. <laughs> yeah. A den. Uh, I think it's a den. Nest. No, it's a nest. Uh, in a hive. A wolf hive, a queen wolf, spitting out bees. That's, you know, that's how it is now, <laughs> post-pandemic. <laughs> um, I, I haven't been to the woods recently. I haven't been to the woods. I mean, like, the closest I could think of was, like, Ralph. Fr- not Is it Ralph from... The Muppets? Rampage? No. What's the... <laughs> not, not the dog that plays the piano. No. But um, anyway. Oh, okay. Yes, the giant wolf in Rampage. Okay, yeah. Because, but you know, he's not a werewolf. I mean, it got me thinking about how werewolves don't tend to be popular enemies in video games because they are basically human beings having a bad day <laughs> because <laughs> most of the time they're good. And I mean, I actually saw a tweet just the other day where somebody was asking, is a, is a person, is a werewolf legally responsible for who they kill? Like, if you are if you kill somebody when you're a wolf, do you get sued for it? And there's all this conversation on Twitter about duty of care. Like, if you haven't, like, locked yourself away, like Seth Green and Buffy, um, if you've not locked yourself away during a full moon, then it's your fault. And I don't know. I mean, this the film itself does different things with with werewolf lore i mean like every sort of fictional monster like vampires they have their own sort of interchangeable set of rules like some vampires can walk in the sun and like i feel like the werewolves in some this vampires game, love garlic they just love it can't get enough of it <laughs> um like i think actually one of my thoughts during watching this film is like i was looking to see if anyone had like torn clothing because i was expecting like that's that is just one of the things which pops into my head when a when a werewolf transforms the the clothing all tears away, and I thought, well, that, let's just look at the one person who's got torn clothing in this film, and you know what it is. Um, I feel like I got slightly off tangent in the correct ballpark, but I guess what I'm saying 
is I feel werewolves are, I feel like a middle tier in popular culture. It is like the vampires. It is the zombies because I think those are kind of more like cannon fodder and you can feel okay killing a vampire. And I think, um, yeah, thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> in conclusion, in conclusion, yeah, you can feel okay killing a vampire. I mean, <laughs> this was about gestational diabetes, Harry. What are you talking about? I think the, I, I think, I mean, I keep bringing it up, but I have been enjoying Resident Evil Village, and you do get to shoot a bunch of werewolves in that game. So, oh, great. I think werewolves can be pretty good video game fodder uh, for that purpose. And I, but I think I do like werewolves, and I, I think it's one of those things where we all know that horror can be metaphors for various different things, and werewolves are just as much as vampires or zombies, like prime metaphor fodder. Having a tail. What if I yes. had a tail? <laughs> what if I had a tail? What if I turned hairy <laughs> once a month? Yeah, geez. Um, no, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. But you know, like the 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 tone this film kind of strikes it being a sort of horror comedy. There is past form with werewolf horror comedy, notably things like an American Werewolf in London, uh, to an extent the Howling and and Dog Soldiers, uh, Ginger Snaps. Um, there's there's sort of things which sort of take the kind of commentary on the werewolf mythos and uh does a sort of like you know uses that uh, with an angle beyond just oh look it's a monster so i, I think that's about as your reaction isn't it when we finally see that monster that will be at loch ness you'll be like, oh look it's a monster oh look it's a monster mm-hmm. um yeah so i i think this is very much in keeping with that kind of tradition and i i think it's one of those things where it's nice that maybe there aren't so many werewolf movies around because you don't get the kind of glut of you know ubiquity that zombie movies driven into the ground uh vampire films just like seemingly a a constant can't move for vampire movies so you know it's nice to have a werewolf movie every now and then yeah, I think you just maybe realise, again, vampires and zombies uh, are very easy creatures to create for a horror film. But even mega-budgeted masterpieces like the Twilight movies struggle with believable wolf effects, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of creativity needs to be used when it comes to werewolves, I suppose. yeah. But I think uh, in terms of the sort of tone of this film, uh, in the interviews I've read, um, director Josh Rubin, he cited things like arachnophobia and Clue, uh, as mentioned, favourite of the podcast, um, as as kind of like touchstones in terms of tone and idea of of the kind of like the comedy that was being struck, as well as some of the sort of horror um, or you know, murderous finger pointing elements. So in terms of like, you know, comparing the game to the film, this may be one of the loosest translations that we have uh, encountered uh, for sure on the, on the podcast. But um, 
I guess whether or not it succeeds in of itself as a movie, well, maybe, you know, still capturing some of the ideas that the game generates um, is something that is up for discussion immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Go. But I know just putting a cap on that, I agree. I mean, we talked about how far it is away from the original source material in terms of look and characters and things, but I'm always about replicating the tone of something. And it's a bit difficult because I'm so unfamiliar with the game, but I got a good sense of it watching some playthroughs and things. So, uh, yeah, that's the fun of tackling these films. (laughs) Did you have a video box at all? Did you download a video box off the internet? Well, I have a synopsis from the IFC Films website, the the company that... uh distributed it um in the states at least and it reads as follows after a proposed pipeline creates divisions within the small town of beaverfield and a snowstorm traps its residents together inside the local inn newly arrived forest ranger finn sam richardson and postal worker cecily milana weintrub must try to keep the peace and uncover the truth behind a mysterious creature that has begun terrorising the community. A mysterious creature? What could it be? Should affect our snowshoes. What? People do that? You know, fun fact, not only is it the oldest, but remains one of the most effective means of traversing the ice. Wow. Yeah, you're going to fit right in at Beaverfield. Everything here is a little... (laughs) questionable. Ranger! The people... The weather. Everything. Oh. Ranger? You look like you just seen a corpse. Well, the roads are amped. And something's wrong with the generator. Which generator? All of them. Think it on the internet! Uh, also, there's a dead body under your porch. Holy Ah! Probably a wolf. What are you, like a wolf detective now, Marcus? Who knows who? Who went it? Who's gonna kill next? I think we can all agree that it's unsafe outside and there's safety in numbers. Out of curiosity, who is packing? Well, you're having a good old fashioned sleepover. With guns, though. With guns, yes. Everything about this predator is unorthodox, it's not human. It's not a canine. It's one of them. One of what? A lycanthrope. A what? A werewolf. Look at it gotten in here. How did it get out? Who says it got out? (laughs) Maybe I'm a werewolf. Maybe you're a werewolf. Maybe you're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. Maybe we're all werewolves. Are we really in a Mexican standoff right now? Maybe. Don't say Mexican. Just standoff. Werewolves of In. It's a brand new film, so I think we're going to do give us our, our thoughts and feelings um, up top, but we're not going too far into spoilers. Or and then we'll make it clear when we're going to start going into nitty gritty and finding out 
who is the werewolf? So, um, what did you? What did you? What were your thoughts when you finished Werewolves Within? I think Werewolves Within is at least when I was trying to started watching this, I was sort of like a little bit concerned. It was getting too much into the sort of like the traps and tropes of quirky indie comedy. But as it went on, I really started to warm to it because I think what this film has in buckets is likability, which is a bit of a hard thing to quantify because usually when like reviewing or discussing one of these films, you can sort of pick up characteristics like, the script or you know the performances or the cinematography or the music and things but even when the film isn't at its strongest in all in you know any of those aspects and i think actually generally speaking it is pretty strong in those aspects but even if you know not every joke lands or not every sort of like scene works necessarily i think the film is very entertaining throughout and I think I think you know while it's definitely you know in the horror comedy territory, it's not exactly a scary film. But what it does have is uh, like quite a it strikes quite a good tone. It's it's pretty smart. It's pretty funny, and I think sometimes some of the 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 cleverness and even some of the jokes get quite lost in the throng of the chaos. There's quite a lot of characters talking at each other the whole time so actually i did watch this film twice and i I would say it stands up to repeat viewings but i think also it was just for me to catch some of the stuff i missed first time round. what it is though is it's just very likable endearing and affable and entertaining uh throughout see i liked it I feel like I'm going to sound really negative because I I wasn't so sure about the tone. I felt like the comic tone was a little bit all over the place. Like there was some characters um, look were like literal cartoons. Like there yeah. are these pair of hicks who seem to have come out of the exploitation film. I can't, I couldn't. It was Gwen and Marcus. Yeah. I just, it reminded me of Scream 3 when Jay and Silent Bob show up in his actual <laughs> cameos. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the screen films, of course, are... They're, they're more horror than comedy, but they're, they're horror with a, with, a, like with a tongue in their cheeks. But it just, it just seemed to cross the line when Jay and, sucking, you know, Jay and Silent Bob show off and those snoogans and all that stuff. It just seems really strange. Um, I'm really pleased that you mentioned clue or the director mentioned clue because i wrote in my notes it just this it feels like it really wants to go for that clue energy but it doesn't quite get there and it also makes so much sense that you tell me that he was part the director was part of the college humor posse because i found that people did quickly escalate to shouting level and then there's just lots of people shouting and mm. it just reminds me of those, um, like, like a bad, even though this is clearly not an improv film, it reminded me of a bad improv uh, set session where like people start at 10, have nowhere to go. 
I was really conscious that I've seen a lot of horror movies recently with ensemble casts. I actually saw Escape Room 1 and 2 for the first time uh, last week. Enjoyed them both, but Escape One, Escape Room 1 is, is superior. And that is a group of characters panicking in Escape Room. And that film really does a good job at like really quickly defining the characters and how they'd react to situations and in escape room you, and, and and films like this because i also see i recently rewatched ready or not and then i also saw the film cooties where elijah wood plays a temp teacher when all the little kids turn into zombies <laughs> um you have these scenes where where uh, disparate characters and sometimes characters who don't like each other sort of um join forces and bounce off each other uh, in this film i felt the pairs of characters are paired off like with usually with a partner or a significant other they sort of stayed in their own little cliques or cliques and so there's just something about this film i just really wanted to like it more and there's lots i liked because i really like the leads um it did make me laugh but I just wanted to like it just that little bit more. Mm, mm. But I will say, like, the, the, I think I'm I'm focusing a lot on the middle section when I would say the basically the werewolves within sequence of the film where everyone's gathered around with a feather fire, just like in the game, and they are throwing accusations out and. And you know, say you're the werewolf. No, you're the werewolf. That sort of thing. But that I, I just start. I was just getting a little bit uninterested. But when the like the the last half hour, I think things really do pick up. People start to die, and um, it, that makes it, Harry happy. <laughs> that makes Harry happy. No, no. So I it, I think the worst thing could have, could have done is that it got more boring. But I think it actually it saves itself. So I would actually re- I would really recommend this film. <laughs> so this is what i'm saying it sounded like i've been moaning about it a lot i actually really enjoyed it again especially the leads um i think part of the issue is that it's a little bit hampered by his own premise because it's about it's about trying to find out who the werewolf is and so consequently you barely see the werewolf <laughs> and so you know because if you, you can't reveal who the werewolf is you know what i mean <laughs> so um but as clue proves and pretty much all who donuts and who, or who is it's prove um it's about the journey and the characters is the the least interesting thing is usually who actually did it you know it's how people play off each other and i don't know i felt like people were bouncing off each other sort of staying within their own characters and not really mingling or engaging the others too much i think i think you're right to, to an extent i think the film has this like a good kind of slow build and then it kind of like quickly hits this sort of chaotic middle where it is just yeah like sort of flinging insults and shouting and stuff like that and some of that is funny but as i said like some of the lines get a little bit lost in the ensemble bickering um and it's only like in rewatching that i kind of like understood actually most of the dialogue in those <laughs> moments but yeah then I, then i think it has like a strong climax where that chaos then spills into just a lot of people dying in a very short period of time um and uh you know sort of like wrapping up with the the big finale etc yeah it's 90 minutes as well which is always a plus <laughs> yeah but um... and and I, th- I think also like generally speaking as we currently stand it is maybe 
the best reviewed video game adaptation oh. movie there is so far. It's so funny though, because like when the trailer happened, and like I said, it, I didn't even if I didn't even realize this this video game movie was coming. And I've seen a few reviews saying, "Oh, this is a really great film." Doesn't really mention the video game movie, and I think we're just gonna, it's just like I have, there's this really petty bit of me which was like, "Oh, people are still going to say there's never been a good video game movie because this was too good." This is too good to be a video game movie. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah it doesn't just, qualify. It's not doesn't. It's, no, nobody no. jumps on a small animal and a piece of fruit comes out. I guess that's why I was so hyped about this this the trailer for this film because it is, you know, it's so rare to do a video game movie which isn't an, like an action adventure or something. Mm. This is definitely. I might not like all the characters, but this is like character led. It wants to do something other than explosions and bad fights. You know, I was looking forward to watching this film where I know I'm going to have to one day watch Monster Hunter. (laughs) (laughs) It might be really, really good. (laughs) But we'll see. I don't think it's a character piece, though. So shall we have shall we talk a little bit now about the uh, about the detail? The devil is in a detail, I say, but in this case, it's a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so maybe from this point on, we're going to talk a bit more about the film proper. So spoilers for werewolves within within the uh, rest of the podcast. But I think you were talking about the sort of leads. And I think yes. one of the things which interested me about the film is like, oh, Sam Richardson is in this. That's cool. Yeah, I gotta admit, I I've caught most of um I think you should leave. <laughs> and um that's where I know him from. But he, what else has he been in? I think his probably best known role was in Veep, mm-hmm. um, playing the character Richard Splett, who is possibly the best character in the whole show. Um very kind of just naive and babbly talkative you know sweet endearing person caught up in you know this kind of political arena filled with terrible horrible people not too dissimilar to the character that he plays in this film but um it's it's very good performance there and uh he also co-created with tim robinson from i think you should leave detroiters which i have not seen but is meant to be a very good uh tv show and apparently he's also um the best thing about the tomorrow war the chris pratt (laughs) movie which was on uh amazon prime streaming now i have not watched it yeah well i mean i watched that clip of i think you should leave where he plays like the the ghost of Christmas way future. And he's wearing like an exo armor and, <laughs> um, and people are saying, wow, he's playing the same character in tomorrow war. And I was immediately like, well, I'm going to watch tomorrow war then. <laughs> oh, it's Christmas. I am the ghost of Christmas Wave Future. I've already met the ghost of Christmas Future. I said Wave Future, Scrooge! What are you here to show me? Christmas of the year 3050. Skeletrix and his bone brigade have enslaved the human race. And we need your help. 
What are you talking about? Bonies are slaughtering humans by the millions, taking their bones and using them to make more bone soldiers and more important, fleets of bone cars. What? what? Friggin' bonies! But I've got a plan. We've got to kill Skeletrex. He's huge! He's 15 feet tall and he has bones the size of tree trunks. Oh yeah, I almost forgot! He carries a club made of lava! Damn you, Skeletrex! I listened to an interview with Sam Richardson here on, I think it was the Empire podcast, and he just seems like a really nice dude. And of course, he plays like a really nice guy in this to the point that it sort of becomes a plot point. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's just a guy you want to spend time with. You feel sad when he's being shattered a little bit. I think he starts the film in the car. Um, he doesn't really realize that he's been broken up with. He's He's listening to like... Alpha male tapes or something. Um, I I I don't ever have to use those, so I wouldn't know. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he's just really endearing, and uh, yeah, I think I think if it, if it what if it wasn't for this character and his his co star, I'd say um, this would be a not a recommend of a film. Okay, well, I I think there's like I enjoyed like some of the other performances as as well i mean like to sort of pick out some of the sort of supporting cast i really liked catherine curtin playing janine who runs the inn yes and i thought she had a really lovely tone where she sort of thinks that her husband uh has cheated on him and run away because he's been missing for the past month or so and she just has this kind of like real wounded Mm. um she wants to care about other people and stuff but she's she's just like kind of like a sad wounded person yeah and... she she's trying but she can't but she's trying and i think yeah i think i associate myself with that <laughs> yeah and i did i did enjoy um uh harvey gillian as joaquim because uh, mm. i like guillermo from what we do in the shadows and so yeah. i enjoyed seeing him in you know a different role whole cast, doing a different like, thing yeah yeah he's the most person i was looking forward to seeing if i'm honest <laughs> i love him for what we do in the shadows yeah and you know like i think that's just just generally like the the townsfolk of beaverfield we're sort of introduced to them early in the in the start and it's sort of like here are the players you know it's like mm. presenting the cast of uh, you know, a play and just like, you know, who done it or whatever, you know, you, you establish these kind of eccentrics, you establish their relationships and you establish the conflicts that they mm. have. And the major conflict, which uh, is kind of like the background to the film and it sort of rises to the fore as it goes on. And in, in fact, I thought it was just going to be a little bit of a, a sub Tech, well, not, not like subtext, but just it was just going to be like a little note to add a little flavor. Uh, is the fact that there's this pipeline which is yeah. planned to be built in this town and it sort of sets up this whole. I thought it was just going to add some color to the film, just like, oh, we're making a commentary about greedy capitalism versus environmentalism and, and you know, how nature and in that you know, setting as well, werewolves coming from nature, a sort of combination of man and beast uh, together. It was just going to add some little flavor, but it becomes more prominent because it gives a sort of reason as to why 
the townspeople are already kind of at each other's throats mm. anyway. It heightens emotions which already exist. Yeah, so I thought that was like, you know, one way to add like a current political, socio-political issue, uh, an environmentalist issue, you know, add that sort of like context and framework. You know, we always say like horror, etc. has is, you know, often a commentary on something. I don't know whether this goes much beyond that apart from just providing the kind of catalyst for when, you know, shit hits the fan and why everyone reacts in fairly extreme, uh, you know, not just finger pointing, but gun pointing fashion um, Mm. without much uh, cajoling. I think one sort of refreshing thing is, you know, it doesn't escape anyone that like Sam Richardson is the only like African-American actor in this film. And I must Mm. say from the trailer, I, because like the trailer in like two minutes, um, talks about how this town is like a little bit weird, a little bit backwards. But I don't think at any point his his race is brought into it at all. I mean, maybe subconsciously, uh, subtextually, there is that where like he's against all the other like panicky white people. But um, yeah, it was not on the surface, at least to my to mine own eyes. I think yeah, it's it's only kind of very slightly touched upon, and I think it's 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 sort of. I guess with the character of Trish, um, who's this kind of artsy, crafty, loves her dog, oddball, um, and she's all for the pipeline being built so that it can bring money to people working there, I guess, to buy her crappy arts and crafts. But like her and um, her husband, I think Paul is the name, there's like sort of vandalism of their kind of signs welcoming the pipeline and they're blaming Antifa and, um, <laughs> you know, Brooklyn hipsters. And so they're very much at odds of Wacky and Devon, who are sort of like gay millionaires in town. Um, and... I liked, I really liked the the fact that they're, they were like millionaires who have come to a place because they want like to, to be out in the sticks. And then they had an issue with their little perfect bubble being potentially changed by the pipeline they're anti-pipeline aren't they Mm. and you can make i guess this is a topic you could totally make a film about and then not be werewolves in it (laughs) (laughs) in fact actually is local hero about that sort of thing i've had a little bit yeah while i mean like we're we're both from somerset and you know there's always people moaning about some like developments happening and you know, yeah, there's always like sort of wind turbines and, and they mention it in this film as well. Fracking and stuff is obviously like a hot button issue, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's ripe for, you know, mining for uh, commentary in certain respects. And, and I don't think the film necessarily does anything beyond that. It doesn't really make a sort of statement one way or the other. I mean, I think the idea is that, you know, the sort of like left-wing and right-wing characters in this film are kind of mostly a bit unhinged and you know eccentric individuals anyway so it doesn't sort of like come down hard one way or another everyone's a bit of a caricature apart from i guess you know finn the the ranger sam richardson plays in, in that respect he is a little bit though because like he he struggles he struggles with swearing even at one point you know he's he's too good to be true in a way yeah i mean sure to turn it i say that but i mean i need i need to think about 
outside my own social bubble, which is very sweary. <laughs> I just I suddenly realize maybe there are definitely people who will never say that sort of thing. You know, it does sort of come up maybe a little bit that Trish is a bit suspicious of outsiders and they accuse, um, Joaquim accuses her dog at only barking at Jews and brown people and, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So I, 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 th- I think there is a slight bit of commentary there, but it, it's by no means the major kind of issue. It's not really sort of commented upon beyond that in any respect, which... Um, I guess, you know, when there's so much else going on in this film, it's, it's, you know, it's adding a wrinkle on a wrinkle. Uh, don't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, please do. Uh, are Can you, you? Janine? Yeah, I, I, you must be the new ranger. <laughs> yeah, uh, Finn Wheeler, U.S. Oh, Forest uh, Service. Yeah, Sam Parker, Midland Gas. Oh, what a coinky dink. Excuse me? Uh, uh, the pipeline, right? That's your project? It is. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be stationed in Beaverfield for the duration of construction. Oh, lucky me. Should it go through? It will. I'm confident. Has to be a majority vote, Mr. Parker. Sure there's a lot of beautiful nature here. It'd be a shame to break ground so close to national forest. man that doesn't want to conquer nature doesn't understand how brutal it is, Ranger. Oh, no, uh... Oh, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I wasn't trying to, like, be like, oh, it'd be a shame, and, like, and I wasn't trying to, like... I want to talk about uh, the char- character Cecily, played by Milana. Is it Vaintrub? I think so. Yeah. Um, she's great. <laughs> she's like as cute as a button, but also the werewolf. It <laughs> should be said. Turns out to be the werewolf. Which, um, because I am thick, I did not see that coming at all. I was like looking to see if people had torn clothes and things, but it turns out it's very much a like Lon Chaney Jr. style werewolf where she just gets a bit furry around the face and things like that. One thing I really liked is that the first act, like, they have like a meet cute. They start fancying each other, Cecily and Finn, like right away. But it kind of subverts the whole... I mean, they don't go the manic pixie dream girl route. He gets shot down. Um, he ends up... Uh, Finn ends up getting a telephone call just as they're about to kiss and like they seem to have fallen head over heels each other that day but hey they're both so charming and lovely I really bought it (laughs) but he ends up getting a phone call from his ex right then and he takes it because he's so weak-willed and a bit worried about this shaking the boat rock and breaking the status quo and she's like in a hump and a huff with him throughout the whole rest of the film and we find out in the big reveal at the end of the film, when she's like reveals herself to be the werewolf, that this maybe manic pixie dream girl we saw at the start was also an act. Um, so that's yeah. kind of cool. I think that was. I actually was trying to write in my notes when they sort of first encounter each other. I I wrote indie movie meet cute, but it is cute. <laughs> And, and they then, do meet. They do meet. So, you know, it tits the, both those boxes. And, and the other thing I kind of said, so they have their, their kind of like date in a way, as it were, like right at the start, they go to this bar called the At Den, which uh, is home to a jukebox, which has a lot of 90s. And so we hear Ace of Bass, the sign twice in, in the movie and a uh, bit of Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden, I think. So... You know, hits after hits. I watched, um, was it Fear Street uh, trilogy on Netflix 
uh, last week and yeah i've heard a lot of 90s music <laughs> they just needle drop every five minutes and it's like 15 seconds of music and i'm like oh just play the whole fucking song please it's like someone's fast forwarding through my now cassette collection mm. now that's what <laughs> but... i call werewolves is an alternative title for this film <laughs> but they're having this kind of like uh you know this sort of conversation and you were saying with the with the kiss and everything like that uh well throwing axes at an axe board like a dartboard but yeah i was writing like too much maybe indie comedy quirk too much quirky dream girl and then when it sort of comes the reveal and she's like saying didn't i seem too good to be true and you know werewolves are real but people who get turned on by yellowstone and drink kombucha and read walden uh that's Mm. the fantasy and that's like i think that kind of instantly knocked this film up like a star yes in my estimation because i just like i i think the kind of reveal of cecily as the werewolf is a good one in the sense Mm. that i think the film is clever throughout to just because you've got this pipeline thing going on you're kind of distracted with all the motivations that all the characters have because of all these red herrings, which are dropped everywhere. You don't really sort of pick up on those until the film reveals it anyway. So she's kind of posing as a postal worker. One of the characters mentions, well, we could get a snowplow out of town when the storm comes, but my fuel injector hasn't arrived, which actually turns out Mm. has been sort of retained by Cecily and you know she hasn't been delivering all the post etc but also during like when the kind of like chaos really sort of hits the characters sort of hold up and they all decide to sort of go their separate ways and in so doing it kind of like sets off a, a bit of a kind of chain of events where all the kind of particularly Trish who's for the pipeline everything sort of boils over and she kind of uses all the cover of this chaos to start like offing the people who she doesn't really like and who are anti-pipeline. Yeah, it's almost as if the werewolves are like tertiary to the whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, because because uh, I was watching it with my wife and like we were just kind of going through the body count at the end and it's sort of like in the end the werewolf only really like attacks and kills one person who is... Uh, Janine's husband who is the postal worker it turns out because she needed to assume you know someone's position she bites, a, that was... she bites a guy's hand off as well she oh, bites boy. a guy's hand off but mainly because he's very handsy with her and he yes. thinks she thinks he's like a total creep and she eats the dog Chachi Trisha's dog but only to kind of like set uh, the Set to, to set the tinder and then also to plant the evidence of the dog collar in another person's house so yeah, the fingers this, then point at them as opposed to her this bigger grizzly grizzly adams sort of style character yes. who lives like he says why do you people say why do you stay out here on your own and he goes freedom and then you hear like an, an eagle go, What's you? an eagle screeching in the distance <laughs> yeah and and so like before that reveal, when everything's going crazy, and then you see Marcus, he's got uh, the sort of one of the hits, he's got like knives taped to his hand, and he's like sort of posing as a werewolf, and they're kind of like, are you the werewolf? And he's like, I don't know if even if there is a werewolf. Like, 
they, it's created this sort of like fever pitch of chaos where I got to that point of the film and I was like, oh, maybe there isn't a werewolf. And yeah, I mean, we do yeah. at the start of the film, somebody gets pulled into the you know into the woods and is like growling and snarling. So, and also, I guess yeah. you you know as unfortunately this there was no chance in hell there wasn't going to be a werewolf you know what i mean it's like yeah i mean it would be amazingly ballsy if there was never a werewolf and yeah as the paranoia fully sets in i was pretty on board and also just you know that's about the reveal it's just smart like i was talking about werewolf rules earlier and you know we're all used to as soon as the full moon appears peeking out of the clouds it's like an immediate reaction when somebody turns into a werewolf and this werewolf she kind of seems to be able to choose when to become a wolf and she's not killing on sight she's killing to store food until spring she says and i guess you know with the the temperature being so cold you know it just seems like she's a smart werewolf and so yeah there's the the gotcha i mean i think if you look back at the film i mean you saw it twice so maybe you can let me know i don't know if there's literally any clues to clue you into the fact that she's she's the one there's basically there's no moment where the camera turns to cecily and she looks a bit suspicious at one point it's sort of a gotcha ending in that regard but it all makes sense so yeah that is why it works and yeah that's why i think the ending does make it go up in my estimation as well and i think as well it it plays into the idea behind the game because the video game itself as a werewolf player you're trying to turn people against each other and avoid anyone pointing the finger at you and by setting these little you know planting evidence and using the backdrop of the pipeline to turn anyone against each other you know there is a point at which someone does point the finger at cecily and she's just like we're as innocent af you know i know i was like, oh, just like okay well she said she's innocent so <laughs> um the film and the character in a way is trying to obfuscate is that, is that the right word it's trying it's trying to like sort of make it like hard for you to really like lay the finger on who it might be and and you know you're kind of just like caught up in the fun of the film but in a way i was watching it not even really worrying about who the werewolf was because uh, then he turns to your wife and she's got fangs like (laughs) michael jackson it's like ah but i i think it's it's one of those things where i'm actually like a pretty bad whodunit watcher or Mm. or reader or whatever because i watched the 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 film or or read the book or whatever and i'm not actually i'm kind of like it doesn't matter i'm not gonna sit here guessing because by the end i'll know so (laughs) I, i i kind of like you know, watch these movies and I'm not like going, oh, could it be all oh, the evidence or whatever? And it's just like, well, I realize that this is a fiction which is created by an author which is guiding us to think one way or the other. So there's going to be misdirection anyway. So I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it and wait until they tell me. <laughs> so I'm like really bad at like, I'm a very bad co-watcher when it comes to crime dramas or detective thrillers or whatever, because I just I just sit there just being like, oh, it was them. And it's like, oh, but like, how did, you know, how did you know it could have been? So it's like, I don't know. I didn't care. <laughs> I was just like entertained. Yeah. I kind of want to see you as a police detective in a TV show now. It's like, I'll just, 
It's gonna wait well, till the end till forty five <laughs> minutes are up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It's the it the was the guest star. Themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, shit, Columbo. <laughs> I'm terrible at murder mysteries. Have you ever done one of those games? Yeah, it's a murder mystery party. Someone someone brought no. the game. Someone brought the a. It was a murder mystery in a box. And lo and behold, I got the card saying I was the murderer. And so I was allowed to lie. I was the only person allowed to lie. Um, and like the first question of the evening, someone just looked right at me and said, why did you kill the person? And I went, <laughs> <laughs> I completely lost my cool. <laughs> and, and by some miracle... Um, no one guessed who I was. Like, I, I mean, I literally, I, I, you know, I pulled on my collar. I was like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> but um, everyone forgot I was allowed to lie until like the last minute. They said, oh shit, wait a minute, everyone's allowed. To... Harry, if Harry's okay, the killer, so... he's been alive this whole time. So you got away by the fact that people didn't understand the game, <laughs> pretty much. But I guess. It kind of proves that in this scenario in Werewolves Within, um, and in the game, I suppose, the, the power of being able to lie will help stop people killing you for being a werewolf. Yes. So that's the lesson I learned from from this film. I, I guess the other kind of like key lesson is be nice and you might survive. Like the film starts off with a quote listening is where love begins listening to ourselves and then our neighbors attributed to bang, mr rogers that did make me laugh out loud and you know that becomes part of of the 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 i guess sort of message of the film is about being nice and neighborly and there's like a few moments where finn makes impassioned speeches uh, both to like the residents of of uh, of the town, as well as this Emerson Flint character, who's the sort of Grizzly Adams type that you you mentioned, who everyone kind of like is pointing the finger at being the potential killer because he's big and hairy and scary, and they sort of go over to his cabin to um, at first convince him to help trap this beast who's knocking out generators and um, leaving dead dogs and people in its wake. Um, and they try and sort of sell him on the concept of being neighborly with Mr. Rogers. And he's like, who? <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of, I like that message as well. Yeah. Uh, that, that Grizzly, I keep calling him Grizzly Adams because I keep forgetting he's called Emerson. But Emerson um comes back and saves the day basically because he's taught the power of being neighborly by by finn and yeah nice little detail a little bit convenient but you know yeah <laughs> they can but... <laughs> they, they can do what they want it's a you know they wrote the thing so <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna sign off all my reviews what about Ranger Wheeler here? And Cecily? I mean, they're newcomers. Oh, whatever! We're innocent AF, and you know it! We blindly walked into this weird-ass horror show of a town! Yeah, sticking your nose in these people's business with your money and your fancy booze. Well, and I'll show you again, lady! Myself. You don't you know, you are a dangerous man! I'm not a dangerous man! I'm not a dangerous man! I'm not a dangerous man!
I know it's easy to get caught up in the fear of the situation, but can we all just take a breath and remember what we wanted out of this community when we moved here? But it's also like it's it's funny when you know come the the reveal, and you have Cecily just saying that Finn almost blew this whole plan because he's too fucking nice. Yeah, I like that delivery. I mean, I will say again, the reason I liked the reveal is because I mean, she she literally does the the actress literally does a chef's kiss during her talk her talking about her plan, and I think her performance is chef's kiss as well because. She's at turns, you know, she's a bit sarcastic. She's de- she's delights in her own intelligence, but not in a sort of superior way. I don't know. It's just, um, it's kind of a fact of life to her. She had to do it. One character I actually haven't mentioned at all is there's a, there's an, e- there's a Dr. Ellis on site, mm-hmm. played by Rebecca Henderson. And she's um, an environmentalist, but she's also a werewolf researcher i don't know she's she examines hair at a kill no i think what happened the sequence of events is that they find that corpse and under the hotel and she takes some hair off it and her machine says that it's neither human nor beast um and she's quite an arch performance and there's just something about an ice cold scientist character i really enjoy and um she is knocked off pretty quickly because i guess her service her her purpose is served by letting everyone else know that she thinks a werewolf's on site but um yeah i just wanted to bring some attention to her because i really enjoyed that character like you say you have this town full of eccentrics but then she appears and she is like really weird but like weird in a completely different way and it's just like it's funny having these like different dynamics of strangeness <laughs> uh, to sort of like bounce off. And it, it is a bit of a shame that she is dispatched um, fairly swiftly. Was it suicide? Was it gunshots? But um, I think we are led to believe it was by Parker, who is the big gas man who's uh, trying to build the pipeline but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's 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 nice to have. Maybe sometimes they are, you know, sort of caricatures. Maybe sometimes they are a bit sort of stereotypes. But it does mean you have like a group of people with different motives and objectives, and it's always nice to have like people kind of like playing off each other in in different ways and you know different energies uh, interacting as well. As I said earlier, I still feel that they just don't quite click as a unit as well as a light. And and, and like I, mean, I I think talking about this, I'm enjoying about enjoying it more. And I was looking at the clips and I, I'm enjoying the certain scenes, but I just feel that in clue, it's like, it's like a, it's like clockwork. Everything is just slot, slotted perfectly and other films do it really well. And I, I just think maybe there's some characters in the ensemble is a bit underserved or just don't quite bits like like Wackham's uh significant other I've forgotten name is it is it Dave uh, Devon uh, Devon I mean there's a funny scene when Devon when, when um Janine is saying that she thinks her husband's left her because she let herself go and 
um i think devon is like much more complimentary he says oh no you haven't and uh, wacky was like yeah you, you have clothes <laughs> <And laughs> you can't bring himself to be food but so i did sort of enjoy them but i feel like it just like could have been one character maybe and same with the the hillbillies maybe the, the, the different pairs of characters were like doubling up I think with a film like this, you also need a body count, so it helps you do, to have you do mm. to have more. At least, like sort of films like this, at least they w- were characters. I think you know, usually if it's a horror film and you have a body count, it's just like, well, we'll have three people, we'll add some depth to, and then we'll have like five who are just meet in the room. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Fear Street earlier. Um, I think that trilogy of films. Is a bit interesting when it comes to slashes because you they they do make you really care about the characters and I was like oh I don't want nasty things to happen and the same with Escape Room which I mentioned in the first Escape Room they spend a lot of time establishing the characters uh, at the start and so you don't want nasty Escape Room things to happen to people but the sequel to Escape Room um, they the characters are less well sketched so it is so I didn't enjoy it so much but. Um, as I said, though, like I've, I've returned to focusing on this middle section in the house, but I, things really do pick up when these bodies start dropping uh, after they... It's weird how they just leave the house supposedly... Again, when they leave the house, I'm like, don't go out there, there's a werewolf. But actually they're leaving because they think either there's no such thing as a werewolf or they're, they're safer not being with a werewolf. I guess yeah, they, <laughs> they, they, they leave the hotel. Yeah, because otherwise they feel like they would be trapped in the hotel with I mean, the power has been cut as be well. Werewolf. The power has been yeah. cut as well, so they might as well go home. There's like this kind of like chain reaction of events where everyone is just kind of killing each other, sometimes accidentally, sometimes purposefully. Um, but like I said, Trish kind of like flips and goes on this rampage, and she stabbed devon in the neck with a maple tap yeah it should be it should be noted that she's been beside herself for most of the film because her dog got eaten yes and then finn and cecily and joaquin uh, are looking for devon and they encounter marcus with his crazy knife hands who's stealing from trish he runs out and accidentally gets backed into by gwen in her pickup truck who then immediately gets shot in the head by Trish. Um, and then it culminates with Trish getting hit on the head by Wackiem and falling headfirst into a fireplace. And um, I think her, her handless husband also has something sort of just died already in the, in it the is a bit, it's a bit of a It's a bit of a bloodbath, basically. <laughs> yeah. They're like, check um, out, oh, we, we need to get rid of a lot of characters in a couple of pages. It's like quite an amusing portion of the film when it's just like it's a bit of a bloodbath. It's not it's not like a very gory film, you know, in, in, in that respect, actually. It's it's fairly tame as these things go, which is, is fine and everything, but just yeah, it's like the town population like halves in the space of a minute <laughs> and a half. It's I guess I don't know. Again, you go into this film thinking it's gonna be people getting killed by a werewolf one at a time in a house, I guess. But Yeah, um... and I thought as well it would be, like, yeah, far more contained in that respect and far more, like, people turning. And I think it goes into werewolf lore again, like you said, like, you know, werewolf can pick and choose as long as there's a full moon. They can turn 
as they see fit. In this, various characters get bitten by the werewolf question mark mm. character, and it and sort of nothing comes of it that we see at least on screen. But again, it's 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 like it's not just sort of like picking and choosing with the law just or forgetting it. It's like if we start introducing these elements, we're going to have to start making more stuff, you know, the film is going to be longer or we'll have to explain it away in some way. And it's just like, let's not even touch it. Let's just, yeah. this is, this is what's happening. Deal with it. Like, <laughs> I mean, you've reminded me how I checked the goofs section for this film on IMDB. And, you know, one of the supposed plot holes written by some weirdo on the internet is, the werewolf should easily be able to smell Finn as he is bleeding heavily. And I'm like, I guess so. <laughs> I guess I guess so. But you know. You're also like it's a werewolf. like yeah, law against something that does not exist. It's yeah. Like, and it, that's know, not how films work. I know. So maybe maybe being a werewolf makes you struggle to smell blood. <laughs> It's like having all that hair of, up your nose. That's getting, getting into arguments of Star Trek or Star Wars fans or something, you know. Yeah, like so, Finn has a bad chest wound; he'd be in no condition to fight a person, let alone a werewolf. I mean, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Shooting the pipeline fire would have caused an explosion, which killed everybody. Is another one. These were all in the plot hole sections. Just yeah. get a life. Do a podcast about this. Yeah, I mean, we all know how cinema sins um, has corrupted corrupted uh, film criticism. Film criticism. Did you see that tweet <laughs> the other day about how no one ex- at the end of Planet of the Apes, no one explains how the Statue of Liberty landed there <laughs> or something along those yeah, lines. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that didn't bother me, and I think actually that was a plus point to not get bogged down in of werewolf nitty gritty. Um, but like, as sort of in the kind of speaking of werewolf law, this is where um, Joaquin finds out that Cecily is the seventh-born child, and he speaks about how back in Argentina there is uh, the legend that the seventh-born child is a werewolf. Um, and you know he's not wrong <laughs> in this instance, um, but. Uh, uh, I found the scene when he's got like Cecily at gunpoint and he's like really upset about how much he likes her, but also, you know, she's the werewolf, um, according to him. I think it's just like a really lovely uh, bit of quite upsetting comedy <laughs> uh, performance yeah, Rory, from um, if, the actor. If I ever turn into a werewolf, I want you to let me eat you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to have to, a tearful, a tearful, like, oh, I don't know whether I should shoot you, Harry. Don't shoot me. I want to eat you. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm not signing up to this weird werewolf cannibalism pact. I, I am the elder brother <laughs> slash wolf. I'm the alpha. It says yeah, so on my tapes. You're the first son of three. You're not the oh. seventh son of... Seven doesn't work that way. I'm trying to work out the the line of succession. Um, no, I'd have to get people born before me. I don't know how I'd make that work. <laughs> <laughs> I could kill you, and nothing would change. 
I think you have to start. I think you have to start afresh and you know hope for seven kids and hope one of them's a werewolf. My wife is out at the moment. Can't wait to tell her about. <laughs> we're going to have seven kids. Let's <laughs> go to the family planning center. Okay, right. I want to have a werewolf son. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so John, Janine, James, Brenda, Susan, Alex, and Wolfie. <laughs> Well, that's an interesting final name. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Anyway. In the fist fight that Parker has with Finn, who's like, just Parker's throwing out the accusation that Finn is actually the werewolf. And it was at this point, again, I was thinking, huh, that would be interesting. And like the film plants enough kind of like evidence to even point the finger at at Finn, even though he's only arrived in town at that point, 29 and a half days after the attack in the very opening. So hmm. could have been scoping the area though and coming back. So yeah, could have been, I think. could have been, um, but Parker, like he has this like knife blade come out of his wrist. And I didn't know whether that was an Assassin's Creed Ubisoft oh, yeah. reference or whether that Probably. was just people have blade knives in their wrists, like They're everywhere. <laughs> That clever clogs on IMDb hasn't put that in the flipping trivia, so don't know, <laughs> but probably. But uh, yeah, then um, big explosion. Everyone who's no longer important to the film is dead. <laughs> um, and yeah, we get the big werewolf for real. And I- I'd like to talk a little bit because with a werewolf film and when you have uh, a werewolf in your movie, as we do here, almost didn't, but we do. And you get transformation. And you know what? I really dig this werewolf look. Yeah. It's not much more than a bit of a hairy face. And, you know, a snout and all that kind of stuff. But I think it just looks pretty good that it doesn't try anything else. It doesn't go the CG root it doesn't go like too wolfy it's still recognizably part human so yeah i kind of like it's it's a very simple bit of design but i think it's a very effective design so i really enjoyed the the reveal and you know the performance as the werewolf too yeah it's as i said before i was is looking for torn clothes because I am so used to wolves, werewolves on screen being much more wolf than man, and basically almost being like a werewolf on, uh, like a wolf on its hind legs. And funnily enough, I was I paused the film halfway through to do something else, and then I actually thought I'd look up some clips for this film for this podcast. And I one of the clips on YouTube showed up was something like werewolves within all werewolf attacks and <laughs> um or i don't know you know it's like trying to avoid spoil spoilers like i just saw a glimpse of a thumbnail which had one of these big sort of dog soldiers star wolves standing on its hind legs and i was like oh well, i know what the wolf looks now so i i'm just waiting for that to happen but no it was wrong <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's it was quite cool to have your classic half person half wolf thing yeah and and she was bouncing around the room but quite convincingly and and you know quite 
it's quite scary, quite dangerous, like to be all sort of limber and acrobatic in a way. You're pathological. And what is my pathology exactly? You're too fucking nice! Well, your kumbaya speeches and your small town, gee golly goodness, blow me. This town is full of two-faced assholes, and you know it. You're a monster. Girls gotta eat. And I got dinner on ice till spring. Huh. <laughs> what? I, you mock me for being nice. This, this whole time, you've been mocking me for being nice. But you know what? I gotta tell you, I'm a nice person, right? I'm considerate, I'm compassionate, I care. People want me to change, but there's nothing wrong with me. I'm a nice person who wants to do nice things for other people and have nice people do things for other people. You know? Sorry, I gotta tell you, it's fucking okay to be nice. Pardon my language, it's effing okay to be nice. How's that for, for, you know, kumbaya bullshit? Well... In a dog-eat-dog world... You could be nice. Or you could be me. Heavens. I mean, like that, I think it's like a good sort of climax to the film there's you know maybe there's a touch of you know the jukebox kicking in with ace of bass and stuff is a little bit shawn of the dead or something but maybe that's just a thing that happens anyway well it's it is certainly like a trope where you've seen that before you know yeah in a hundred films where like music's playing which is slightly inappropriate you know could have had werewolves in london no would that been too on the nose but not in london but yeah like so he he flames a bunch of the axes and knocks off some snowshoes from the wall because Finn has been singing the praises of snowshoes throughout the film. It's kind of a bit of a running joke and then dispatches Cecily Wolf with a splintered snowshoe in the neck. That's what's called closure. Is it foreshadowing? I don't know. Chekhov's snowshoe? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, the first time you mentioned snowshoes, I was like, that's definitely going to end up killing someone at some point. <laughs> no, I mean, it's sort of, it kind of, that sort of gag, I think, works as a running joke because you sometimes get running jokes which are just a bit not funny. But I think it ties into his, the character to, it ties into Finn's sort of childlike naivety and, and excitement. You know, it is deep down i think all of us will get a bit of a thrill if we were walking on snowshoes <laughs> you know i think it's yeah and it's it's like again part of his like neighborly nice nature he's talking about the benefits of snowshoes because he wants to you know make sure that people traverse snow as quickly and as safely as possible <laughs> indeed the final blow is done by janine who like arrives at the axe place with a gun? With a Parker's crossbow, I think. Yes, with Parker's crossbow. And I mean, this is what I was talking about running gags. I think she met, she says, you can make your own sandwiches, <laughs> which sounds very strange out of context. But there's, there's been a bit of a running gag about sandwiches in the film because her place is the only place to eat. Her hotel is the only place to eat around these parts. And she kind of only 
Santa sandwiches. It just reminded me of Bad Santa's sandwich through line, but um, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it in Bad Santa more, where everyone's talking about <laughs> fixing sandwiches for people. I don't know. There's just something about there's just something about being made a sandwich that seems just a little bit low effort. And I think it's also like you know, because she says like make your own damn sandwich. It's again, it's slightly kind of uh, anti misogyny. Uh, kind of commentary and the fact that there's this whole like mentality where it's just like you know women fits me a sandwich and that kind of stuff so yeah I think having that and then you know having Cecily be like this kind of fictional dream girl ideal thing when she's actually just you know eats people (laughs) instead and it's all just like an act I think it's like it's you know it's 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 a fun take on these uh, uh, on these topics. So um, we said kind of our thoughts at the top of this episode, but um, do you have anything else to add? I mean, I as I said a moment ago, I I did like this film. I did enjoy it. Did enjoy talking about it, and it certainly has some brains to it. Um, I think if you're here for a gore fest, if you're here for like a a werewolf movie if you're here for a werewolf movie you might very well be disappointed because it's it's sort of by the very nature of the story you you don't get that until the very end and it's only for like a few couple of minutes but i enjoyed my time with uh sam richardson who's <laughs> not as good as the actor's name i enjoyed my time with um the villagers and finn for the most part and um yeah as i said though i think i think it's very good and it just stops shy of being great mm-hmm. yeah i i i I sort of inclined to agree i think i enjoyed it maybe a little bit more uh than you um because i think even at the points where it wasn't always landing for me i i was just like sort of swept up in almost like the the notion of the film existing like was amusing in of itself i don't know i, I was just like i was uh willing the film along and i found it sort of very endearing in that respect that this is a film which got made and you know has a bunch of fun performances and fun ideas and that's how i am all the time i'm just sat in the cinema I'm like can you can you believe this got made <laughs> films are magic how did they this are. happen they are they are so you know i'm i'm very happy that this exists uh and yeah i i would i would recommend it to anyone again clearly you don't have to have any knowledge of the games to enjoy it i don't think the film makes much reference to it apparently there is an easter egg in the hotel lobby or or something i'm not sure exactly what uh having not played the game but which references uh the game itself but yeah it it plays with the kind of concepts of like pointing fingers and manipulation and trying to suss people out not the closest video game adaptation that we've we've covered but i'd I'd say one of the uh one of the top tier (laughs) i bet there is a quarter of the internet though like they've ruined the werewolves within franchise this (laughs) is werewolves within all but name this isn't my villagers going around a campfire with their big hats. And, you know, I, there's not any peasants in this film whatsoever. <laughs> um, I actually just wanted to ask, though, I mentioned near the, at the start of the episode how I didn't know, because I'm stupid, I didn't know who the 
werewolf was going to be. Was there any point for you with a moment where the penny dropped or was it when uh, Finn discovered all of like the postal stuff, which hadn't been delivered? I think, I think I sort of like felt it's going to go one way or the other when the sort of like, they went back to the at den and the film was like wrapping up. It's just like, uh, I guess one of them is the werewolf. <laughs> it was the like, jukebox all along. Yeah. No Where's one's ever suspects the jukebox. No. I'm like, I'm just going to put my hand up and say, I still think we should consider the jukebox. Because <laughs> it's never the jukebox. You know why it's never the jukebox, Harry? Because it's never the jukebox. I mean, although there is that Cenobite in Hellraiser 3 who shoots CDs out of his head. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that, though. <laughs> yeah, no. Moving on. <laughs> it was good that it kept me guessing and entertained and interested. And yeah, I'd, I'd look forward to seeing uh, what uh, the director um, and the writer do next. Yeah, we want more more adaptations of high concept middle tier games, please. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of some off the top of my head. I cannot. <laughs> Octodad. Uh... Octo that see an Octodad movie would rock. Uh Overcooked would be good, similar similar vein, just about a kitchen. Trying to think. This is why I'm not in Hollywood Rory. <laughs> <laughs> so seek out Werewolves of Inn if you dare. Um in the meantime though, how can people keep in touch with games on film? You can find more information about video game movies and the podcast on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at gamesonfilmpod. And you can email us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. On our website are also links for where you can support us on coffee, or also you can find our Amazon wishlist. If you wanted to purchase a film for us to review, we'll mention you on the podcast. How's about that? You can find all episodes of the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, be it Spotify, SoundCloud, Acast, Apple Podcasts. So do please like, rate, review, share and subscribe. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Harry, where can people find you online should you choose to let them find you? Uh, (laughs) I'm on Twitter at OnlyManWhoCan. And I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. Well, in ne- till next time, till the next full moon. Um, though we are bi-weekly podcasts, aren't we? So, um, yeah. the next half full moon. Yes, total eclipse. <laughs> uh, until next time, I've been Harry. I've been Rory, or have I? Oh, oh has he? <laughs> We're going to oh. keep going with it. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.